We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Be aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me want With the 30th pick. With the 61st pick. With the 93rd pick. The 161st pick. With the 203rd pick. With the 212th pick. With the 213th selection. The Buffalo Bills select Gregory Rousseau. Carlos Basham Jr. Spencer Brown. Tommy Doyle. Marquez Stevenson. Damar Hamlin. Rashad Wild Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krieger, and that was the NFL Draft Mix from NFL Network and ESPN, a compilation that I created, that You're Chris welcome. created, of all of our picks in this weekend's draft. And as always, here in studio to break it all down, we got a great show for you tonight. we got plenty of booze on tap. It's going to be a great time. Mr. Nate Geary, how are you, sir? Very well. I'm very well. I'm, uh, I'm living. You're living? Which is, you know... Especially after the draft, I was really looking forward to saying Gregory Rousseau's name like in September. But thank you, fellas, for dragging me back into the draft. Uh, I really appreciate it. You sound like it. Again, for those of you living under a rock, guy who needs something of an introduction, Nate Geary, WGR 550 radio host, golf fanatic, as he sits here in his tailor-made hat, That's right. and owner of the most hipster food takes I've ever seen. Now, Nate... Well, those, I, those, I, I have something on that. Well, well, Nate, those wings over there don't have any rose water glaze on them. I don't know. Are, are they are they up to your standards? Well, if you had some fresh rosemary, maybe we could talk about it. <laughs> well, I had on uh, your recommendation on Friday, the lady and I and her friends, Franny and Brendan, mm-hmm. we were going to go to dinner, but we couldn't get uh, a reservation time that was of eating time. It was either way early or way late. So they live near you, so they're okay. like, we'll just go get takeout from Tutant. Give me Nashville hot chicken. I've heard about this. I need to eat this. Everybody everybody likes to poke fun at me. Oh, neat and silly food takes. How adorable. And then, you know, they get a little taste of what I'm 
chewing on. And then you know what they say? A lot of them, they'll DM me on the side because they don't want to do it publicly. They don't want to embarrass themselves. They say, Nate, <laughs> you know, I doubted you. But you gave me a foodgasm. And I, every time, I have never once, I'll say, well, I shouldn't say never once. I have refer somebody to a restaurant and they didn't have the greatest experience. But anybody that asks me, Nate, where should I go to eat? And I give them the reference. They're never disappointed. I know too many good spots in the city. So I went, we had Tutant and I, of course, got Nashville hot chicken. Great choice. The chicken was fantastic. However, zero heat to the Nashville, Nashville hot chicken. No heat at all. I text Drew and... About it, I was like, this, like, this, it has less heat than a bottle of Frank's. It was like on my heat scale, like a one and a half. You see, but if you're, but, but Chris, if you're trying to please the masses, and I'm not a heat guy, yeah, exactly. I guess how many, guess how many people are not heat? Can people? I tell you who has way too much heat on their Nashville chicken? KFC. That thing is, it's too much for me. The only person who listens to this podcast who eats KFC is Mark Smith. And I'll bet you, I mean, honestly, he, I bet you he'll have some feedback for us. Honestly, he live. deserves whatever happens to him because he your insides, yeah. whatever happens to your insides due to KFC. So can I tell you guys a funny story since we're talking yeah, sure. about the draft? So draft day, the weekend, not just the day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, Taco Bell. They are sponsoring the show. Uh, they're sponsoring draft coverage all weekend, uh, including, you know, we've got a couple live reads to do about, you know, Taco Bell's hiring and Taco Bell. Um, Taco Bell gave us $200 worth of gift cards to, here you go, guys. Like, here's, here's to eat during the draft. I was like, all right, this, is, this can't be that much food. So night one, I'm like, I'll go pick it up. Uh, I'll stop, grab the gift cards. I'll grab a whole bunch of food. It's for five guys. I go in, and I shit you not, guys, I ordered what I thought to be minimum $100 worth of food. The lady says, that'll be thirty six seventy five, And I was like, can you reread the order back to me? Because I'm pretty sure I ordered 24 tacos, ma'am. This is $36. Yeah. yeah. And that didn't give you pause. Like, Not only did it, did it give me pause, Drew, but I had it the next two days. <laughs> and I am, and now it's, what is it, Tuesday? We're recording Tuesday night. This yeah. would have been... More, just about 72, maybe a little bit more than 72 hours ago, and my system has yet to fully reboot. That's my point! This is my point, you people! Yeah. You pours out there eating Taco Bell. Pours. You get what you deserve when you put that nonsense in your I was joking around with Bruce, exclu- Bruce Nolan yeah, yeah. and Greg Thompson about this, and it's kind of become a thing, Chris. Holier than thou, Drew, when it comes to food takes on Twitter... Maybe that's what I do after we retire from podcasting is I get, we scrap the I burn the rock pile handle to the ground. Okay, I mean, that's coming whether people like Eventually, it or not. Right. That's coming whether anyone likes it or not. And then from the ashes, I start a new Twitter handle that literally exists just to troll people about their food takes. Like when people are arguing about Five Guys burgers and I say, Psst. Any fast casual burgers, crap. You should you should eat something with I don't know it's fine some take. some short ribs. It's a fine take. Get some brisket in there. Yeah. Get a real burger. Otherwise, don't try. What your don't come in here stepping on my territory talking about Five Guys burgers. That's yes. fine. If anything, if you're going to say something about Five Guys, talk about the fries because they're fantastic. But the burgers are just burgers. I think it's hysterical that you and a bunch of other grown adults ate Taco Bell. Like if you gave for me- three. Straight. I, I don't. I'm uncomfortable putting a value to it. 
But I'm gonna I'm just gonna venture to say I had ten burritos and Chris, the worst part is those those five guys ate that two hundred dollars for three days. There was still eighty five cents left on the gift card. Buddy, we spent like hundred and thirty dollars. Did you golf this weekend? Uh, I did on Friday, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I would have probably. I did kept, not drink coffee. Let's I, just put it that way. I did not drink coffee. I would have put a couple of burritos in. And I actually your drove I, because of the weather. I drove all the way down to Climber, New York, to go play at Peak and Peak Resort. And I was thinking to myself as I'm driving, the hour and thirty five minutes it takes to get there. You're questioning. Am I going to shit my pants <laughs> Am I gonna in the it? middle of the woods in a back road? Because it's happened to me before, and I will get out of the vehicle and go find an area in the woods. Because I've done it before, and I will likely, I'm only 29, I've got the probably three more times in my life, I will get out of a moving vehicle in the middle of country land and take a shit in somebody's front yard. Chris, this whole conversation <laughs> has made me feel really good, because I started taking shots at his hipster nonsense food takes, and now you're really coming around on it. I've come you? around full circle yeah. because I see that you suffer just like the rest of That's us. Right. We, we, we Gastrointestinal issues, yeah. Uh-huh. But, but well, see, this is proving your youth. Yeah. And I just realized yeah. he's young. I'm a young He'll guy. Learn. But folks, we have so much to unpack here tonight. I'm not going to bore you with uh, his terror. Taco Bell diarrhea stories. Just Taco Bell in general. Lesson learned. Even those with the loftiest palates and the greatest understanding of food still can be tricked into nonsense. Nate, thank you. Thank you. Ugh. But I digress. We're here to talk about the 2021 NFL Draft. I'm going to pop a bottle here. I've got some beers lined up. We're going to start this conversation with what I thought was overall overarching NFL topics. The best and the worst of draft weekend. Okay. First of all, as a man who has the chills currently yourself. I have a heating, a hot hands in my hand as we speak. He's literally holding a heating packet as we do this podcast. Seeing Adam Schefter wrapped up in a blanket because it was cold outside, yeah. Chris, that was pretty great. I mean, he's not a big guy. 5'8", 175, according to the MD Daily Record. His quote was funny because they were just like, Schefter, what are you doing? And he goes, insiders aren't intended to be outsiders. It's a fantastic point. I, you know, I, I like the draft that it's moving around, going to new cities, going to the Northeast because we don't get Super Bowls up here. No. You know, like the Bills are never getting a Super Bowl. Cleveland's never getting a Super Bowl. We'll get um, the draft. Maybe it'll be at maybe, your country club. Yeah, but, ooh, that would be nice. Uh, <laughs> maybe I, my guess is if the if the Bills, if Buffalo, quote unquote Buffalo, was hosting a draft, it would definitely be at Niagara Falls because that's the least Buffalo thing you could possibly do, and they would call it Buffalo. Because every single time CBS does a broadcast, they want to go to the Niagara Falls. They, let's go. Let's go drive thirty-five <laughs> minutes away from Buffalo in a town not called Buffalo to go get some images for the national broadcast. It's hysterical. I love it. Also, here's something I loved. What a, it tickled me. I'm sure all you guys listening to this had a blast with it. Newly minted Patriots quarterback Mac Jones. His walk to the podium oh was a whole damn meme. <laughs> he set the internet on fire. He is a middle school principal in that walk. That, <laughs> that, is, so- that is, we are walking down the hallway. There is an emergency in the cafeteria. And I am booking and hauling ass. He is a clipboard and walkie-talkie away from either a Lowe's assistant manager or your middle school assistant principal. Not even, not even regular principal. He'd so- probably be the principal at Frontier. I saw that somebody tweeted out. I was going to compare him to one. Somebody <laughs> tweeted out that's the walk of the kid in fifth grade who is going up to this podium to get his dare participation program certificate, like straight legged walk kind of. Hurt. Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah. It's hysterical. I mean, I don't know what was the more awkward white guy moment. Max Walk or the uncomfortable look on Jets quarterback Zach Wilson's face when he and some other first-rounders, right? They're all standing around, and the guys next to him, when the camera comes out, start throwing up signs. They start posing. And it was like... That moment in Talladega Nights where Ricky Bobby's like, I don't know what to do with my yeah. hands. That was the look of horror and just he didn't know. So he crossed his fingers. He laced them, put them to his chest and almost like stepped backwards. Yeah. Like he thought the he could hide. comfort level like that you saw. He could hide. And not only that, what it reminds me a lot of is like, you know, as, as a public school guy, and I think both of you guys are public yeah. school guys, right? Um, private school. You kidding me? Is that right? Yeah. No. I went to private high school. Where? Mill Springs Academy in, in Milton, Georgia. Honestly, though, can I just say something that explains everything? <laughs> everything has been explained on this podcast. Let's shut it down. Let's go home for the night. Post what you got right now. And people now can leave knowing that this podcast is in a totally different realm than it was prior to me showing up tonight. Um, but he looked like the private school kid in the first time that he went to an inner city school to go play. I would agree with that. You know, because I'll tell you what. His whiteness was on display. Dude, he, he was, was the just whitest. bad. Yes. He looked so uncomfortable. Yes. And in my head, I'm like, you think that this is bad, kid? He's a Mormon. You're gonna go, well. That's my point. I'm like, you're the Mormon from Utah, and you're gonna you're go going to the city. You're you're gonna go into an NFL locker room. Yeah, but now you're gonna go to New York Chris, City. Chris, if that makes him uncomfortable, what do you think goes on in an NFL locker room? It's gonna be hysterical be to watch ass. that Jets project play out. Oh, and I don't know if this is best or worst, but it made me think of Chris because I can't tell. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? During the second second night of the draft, the guy who comes out. For the Cleveland pick, the Macho Fan, oh. in a legitimate Browns-themed Macho Man Randy Savage costume, tasseled sleeves, pit viper sunglasses, the whole nine, and it reminded me that once upon a time, Chris's mother made him a pretty legitimate-looking Macho Man Randy Savage Halloween you costume. A, you have a photo that you're the picture. He's yeah, going I do. To, he's going to tweet it out, folks. Oh at Rock Pile Report. Yeah, make sure a, you go to her Twitter and take a look at be, this nonsense. It'd be a photo of myself and my brother. We went to I went to Auburn to visit my brother around Halloween, and we went out and. He was one of the Beastie Boys from the Sabotage video, and I was Macho Man. So, Why lot of vibes. One Beastie Boy, a lot of vibes. Well, yeah, right. Well, he had two two other friends that were in the other two. Oh, okay. so when that we went, sense. like we went out to a stop at a gas station for for something, and the whole night it was like my brother and his two friends were my security, and I'm Macho Man. We walked into some gas station, and the clerk was like, D- "I just love your costume. You just." Take all the Slim Jims that we have. Like you don't have to pay for them. So we just we took all of the uh, all of the Slim Jims. What an idiot! I love this kid. Like this kid is giving us gold, Nate. Comedic gold. Gold, Jerry. Gold, Kenny Banya. Oh Oh, my sweet Jesus! There it is. (laughs) Oh my sweet Jesus! Chris, macho glasses. This is what I love. Sometimes, Chris, like sometimes we plan bits on the show, and then sometimes you, you turn. You can't. It. You just simply can't plan. Sometimes a bit. Chris turns himself into one. You can't plan anything like that. It's, it's Let hysterical. Me tell you. So, in terms of the actual draft, yes. one of the storylines that I thought was really interesting uh, offensive line. Mm. There was reaches and falls greater than anything I could have imagined coming into this draft. 
I mean, Alex Leatherwood being a first-round oh. draft pick while Tevin Jenkins falls into the, what, second or third yeah, round? Yeah, I think, second. I think, yeah, deep into the second deep round. Deep into yeah. the second round. There was a point where I started thinking, is Tevin Jenkins going to fall to the Bills? Like, what? what is happening here? What kind of universe do we live in? Yeah. That, from your point of view, as you're broadcasting this and somebody who analyzes it to a degree, how surprising was it to see all of that? So the, you know, the Alex Leatherwood pick was sort of the beginning of the part of the draft where you're waiting for a team to make a move that is going to have a ripple effect for literally the rest of the draft. Um, guys slot in, all of a sudden there's one or two more reaches, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, first legitimate first-round picks falling to the second round. It's exactly what happened. Um, Elijah Moore, like, I mean, he falls to the second pick of the second round, but that's that's a first-round pick. Like, he's a first-round talent. Um, Leatherwood, I thought that pick by the Raiders – really kind of, to me, signified the beginning of the draft, right? Because I think for the most part, the first couple of picks, it was no surprise. I was not surprised by the Trey Lance pick. I had been pounding the table. It's Trey Lance, Trey Lance, Trey Lance. I was not surprised at all by Trey Lance being the third pick. So the draft didn't start at three for me like it did a lot of other people. They're like, what's happening at three? That's where the draft starts. Yeah. Um, To me, the draft started at, there was not a lot of surprises, and then, like the Kadarius Tooney pick happens, well, and that's just good. That's just good fortune. If you're the Giants and you're saying, "Hey, we have a very undynamic skill player group," let's add a player who maybe not next year, but in two years could be one of the most dynamic players in our division. You I can don't. make the make a case though that maybe that's a little early for him. Now they did the prudent thing, which was say. We're not going to just sit here at 11 yes. or 12 or whatever it was Let's and just take back. the guy. Let's trade back. We know there's the likelihood that no one's taking this player. But I, they pick for need. And anytime you pick for need, I think you start to reach on guys. And that's what you saw. But at least here's the thing I'll say about Gettleman. Is he traded back two times, three times? Yes. Um, he was smart. He, Which is something we're not used to seeing from if Gettleman. If you're going to draft, if you're going to reach on a need rather than take the best available player, do so while... You know, getting other assets while yes. creating more opportunities for you to get better. So, you know, do I like the Tony pick? No, I don't in particularly. But I don't think it's a worse pick than the Leatherwood pick. And that's nothing against the kid, the, this Alex Leatherwood. He is going to be a good player in the NFL. But the the Raiders have been making almost a mockery of the NFL draft over the, <laughs> over the last three years with Mike Mayock. And listen, as a Mike Mayock fan, they've been making a mockery of of, of Raiders fans. I, is what they've been doing. I think I think what happened was Al Davis left that in his will. You have to make those drafting <laughs> as shitty as I always did. Yeah, you have please. A, you have a standard wait, wait. crapulence to uphold. What was what was the wide receiver from Maryland? Dem- uh, d- d- Darius, Darius Hayward Bay. Darius, Darius Hayward Bay. Speed. It? Darius Hayward Bay. Yep. And it was speed. just because he had straight line speed, and everyone went, "What? That's the pick at seven? Yeah. And and my prognostication for that was that someone forgot to watch Ale, and he just called in the. But pick they when just keep picking Darius Hayward Bay. Yeah, like, well, that's my point. And it's not to say that I, I think Ale, Like I said, do I think Leatherwood will be a good player? I do. I think he'll be. A, he better be a starter for them. But like, <clears> you look at some of the other first round picks they've had, and they've been bad. And you just have to start to wonder. And then there was like leaks after the first round going into day two that. That's not who Gruden wanted, but Gruden's the guy in charge, so how could a player be picked without him actually signing off on it? Hey. How about the other one, though? This might have been my favorite moment from the entire draft. I'm not sure if we'll get to this, but the Howie Roseman looking at uh, Tom Donahoe moment and watching Tom, the disappointment on that, like like his son had just... Uh, like. 
cut him so deeply that he like it ruined his entire draft. But it's watching like Tom Donahoe, in, it's like you amazing. farted in church. That's the look he gave him. Like you farted yeah. in church and everyone heard it. I, I almost can't look at you. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that for a second. The Eagles, that draft, the thing, the, everything's finished. And you see that awkward moment in that war room, and you're just like, what is happening here? It actually, like, and you see the way some of these drafts unfolded. Yeah. And some of the acrimony that's come out afterwards. The whole situation in Green Bay, I mean. That, 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 took, a, that took the lead for the draft for that, almost all of night one. That's oh, all the people sure. we're talking about. It stole the attention. But I'll tell you what. I think it goes to underscore that when you look around the NFL, it's the scariest thing because I'm looking outside to see has hell frozen over or pigs flying, but the Buffalo Bills might have one of the most synergistic, functional, yeah, just same page, just one of the best front offices in the entire NFL. And that's I would I, agreeing with you, being a guy that I just I well, I looked at the draft and I said okay. I'm not like I'm not saying that this is the best draft I've ever seen, and I'm not saying this is the worst draft. I'm saying I'm saying okay. We went through the process with no internal acrimony. Yeah, we go through it with no leaks. We go through it with no problems. And you look around the NFL at what's happening. You've got teams alienating superstar quarterbacks. You've got teams that can't get a that outsmarts themselves every year out out in the desert. Here's the cool part about being too Drew is. You're right. No leaks. There's really no indication, no inkling where are the bill's going. Everyone thought ETN. Now, with ETN's on the board, we don't know what happens that night. But he wasn't. So the storyline's out the window. But everyone, by the way, that ETN pick at 25 was bad, 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 bad. Matt Waldman would absolutely agree with you. What a bad pick. I mean, just – and then to quadruple down the bad pick the next day saying – yeah, you know, James Robinson and uh, Carlos Hyde, they'll be our one first and second down backs. We'll use the guy we draft 25th overall <laughs> as our third down back. <laughs> Holy shit, Urban. This is going to be good. Um, I got to strap in. Here's the thing. At 30, you know, I, and I tried to press this to a lot of people that were like kind of up in arms. They didn't like the pick. Were they getting a bona fide starter not named Travis Etienne at the 30th pick? Probably not. No, probably not. So they got a guy that might be able to come in this year and help in situational pass rushes. They got a guy, in my opinion, with one of the highest ceilings in the entire draft, not just at his position, in the entire draft. So, listen, you know, I think if you walk away from from, from that draft, and, and what I was going to kind of mention and add on to, there is no leaks and there is no, this, this ability to keep a clean ship. What I love about Bean is... Ask him the question afterwards, and he'll be honest with you. Did you guys want to go running back? Well, you know, it was never really a, Or, hey, did you guys have any options to trade back? Yeah, yeah, we had this team, this team, and this team call, but we decided we wanted to stay put, and this was the guy that we wanted. Like, the transparency, the comfortability that they almost exude, like, they just look like a, like a team, like an organization, like a front office that is just in absolute lockstep. They're, they walk, they talk, they vibe. It just, everything they do seems to be... Part of this straight line method, right? It's the just this, process. The process, which is this straight it's line method. And it's, it's, listen, leave the draft feeling upset that they didn't get the player you wanted, or what are they doing drafting redundancy, picking the same position back to back in rounds one and two, three, and four? This. But say what you will, there's going to be a plan. Well, 
in, I, Chris, and you're, as a producer, you're going to hate me for this because this is the perfect segue into our talk about the Bills picks. But I have one more thing that I have Shoot. to put out here. No, I have to put it out here. Okay. I'm going to lay out a thing for you. And Chris, you need to turn your monitor so he can see the chart that I've created because fucking charts. Because I chart everything, baby. So I'm sitting on the couch on Friday night. I'm a little under the weather. And I'm watching the draft unfold. And I'm thinking to myself as it goes, you know, there is a lot of small wide receivers that I see coming off the board. And I don't understand what I'm seeing. I don't get it. And by the as the second round is unfolding, I'm like, Jesus, how many of these are going to take place? I mean, when I say small wide receivers, I'm talking under six foot. Because here's how my brain works. I see this. I wake up the next morning and I go, okay, what do I consider a small wide receiver? Under six foot one, under 200 pounds. Chris, is that fair for a small wide receiver? Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen this many, because as the guys are, as the picks are coming up, every analyst has the same thing to say. Small, shifty. It's Arthur. Why are are so many of them being taken? And I think to myself, is this the most ever? Well, I do what I do. I go in, I dig into the stats and the statistics. Yes, by a lot. So I've charted every draft season from 2021 to 2020. And I've broken it out 2010. 2010 in terms of the number of, by my metric, under six foot one, under 200 and under 200 pounds short, but over 200 pounds doesn't count. It's got to fit. There ain't both, too many of those, by the way. It has to fit both of those criteria, yeah. which is pretty stringent. Then I count that as small wide receiver. I looked at the total wide receivers taken in every class, then the number of small wide receivers and what percentage of that class in the top 64 fit the bill of a small wide receiver. Nate, you see the numbers that I've charted out here. From 2010 to 2019, the highest mark is 33%. Last year, set the high mark for wide receivers taken in the draft. 13 wide receivers in the draft in in the top two rounds. Only 23% of those wide receivers were small. This year, there was nine. 77% of all the wide receivers drafted in the top two rounds. That's wild. Less than 200 pounds, smaller than six foot one. Now, I understand that there's a couple factors here that might do this. Chris, make up the class. Maybe this is a class mm-hmm. where things just kind of, this is the, t- there's just a giant, there's a bevy of small athletes available, right? Maybe that's just the case. But a part of me also thinks that everybody's out here Tyreek Hill chasing. The fact that Terrence Marshall, Terrence Marshall's not a bad wide receiver. Or right no, back. no, right. Ter- uh, yeah, what, Terrence Marshall. What yeah, Terrence yeah. Marshall. From LSU. LSU. Yeah. He's not a bad wide receiver no. at all. I mean, he's overshadowed by the explosiveness of Jamar Chase sure. and Justin Jefferson, but he's not an awful wide receiver. What, six foot two, six foot three, two hundred. Some of those injury concerns I, is from one of the things I've heard, too, by the way. I understand just, just, that. But... Think about this. In the same way every GM has spent years wasting first-round picks trying to find the next Gronk and Kelsey, and how Josh Allen's development with his elite traits has... He's going to get a whole bunch of GMs fired for chasing... Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems now people are trying to find these small space guys like the Tyreek Hills of the world. What it is is it's funny because I think at some point in in the same vein of this argument that we're having, 
At some point, the league is going to go back to a run-heavy league. Yes. It has to. Because if everyone is loading up on 255-pound defensive ends and they don't want to have they don't have two linebackers, nickel, you're going to throw Why do you think five the Ravens DBs, work? Six DBs. This is the reason yeah, that the Ravens work. While everyone zigs, they zag. Yes. And, and I do think there is there's some credence to the fact that I do think the NFL – does this, and it's not just wide receiver, it's not just tight end, it's offensive line. Now we're talking about, you know, defensive ends. We're talking about linebackers have to sort of fit this mold, and this mold keeps shrinking and becomes more athletic and less of a size barrens. Where 10 years ago, think about this, think about this for a second. Is Kyler Murray drafted 10 years ago? No, Is he nobody even thinks in he's the prototype discussion? And, I, and, I, and my proof of that is Colt Brennan. Cole Brennan was one of my favorite quarterbacks growing up, and he was 10 years too early to the game. Because if Colt Brennan throws the types of touchdowns that he did and runs the type of offense that he did, instead of 2009, he runs that in 2019, he's the number one overall pick. That's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow got drafted because of stats, not because of tools and arm trait. And I always find these drafts to be interesting at the top. What are you drafting? Yep. Are you drafting stats or are you drafting tools? And the Bills do not draft stats. They nope. do not. And they don't sign stats either. Nope. They go for tools. And now whether or not you believe that's the right way to approach it or whether or not you just maybe they're getting lucky on some of the tools guys and maybe other teams aren't. But in years past, Bill Parcells would be rolling over in his grave <laughs> drafting Josh Allen based on his college stats because that's those are the things they cared about. Yep. Those, that's what was written on the wall. Yep. It was their height, their weight, and their stats. It's the reason that I'm naked screaming on a balcony with a beer in each hand is because in my head I'm like, we just drafted Kyle Bowler 2.0 according to every draft prognostication yep. that I Because you know what they about. did? They looked at the stats. They said, this guy can't. He can't possibly lift that 52% completion percentage. Can't yeah, happen. You can't, can't fix that. You can't fix stats, which and is then, just a big, giant piece of horseshit. But so watching this small wide receiver thing, it just made me laugh because we've watched this. Look at what Isaiah McKenzie is, right? If you don't have elite... That's where you can get those small receivers. And that's my point. When, sixth and seventh round. When you have... If you don't have elite route running, all of that straight line speed and agility doesn't, doesn't matter. Dick. It doesn't matter. I mean, you can't you can't compete downfield. I'll be really interested to compare. Now, maybe this is a poor example, but to compare Marquez Stevenson to Rondale Moore two years from now, to maybe not Elijah Moore because I think Elijah Moore is going to be a stud, um, but to Kadarius Tooney. I'd be really interested to see what the dynamic looks like two, three years from now, how those players, how they compare. Oh, sure. But so... Because I have this massive, obviously it takes a ton of data to aggregate a chart like this. I'm looking at the guys over the last few years who fit this mold, and here's the problem. You're looking at some of these picks. I mean, I mean, what's more believable? That every that this is going to be the most prolific Tyreek Hill 2.0 replication draft, or that there's going to be one or two of these guys yeah. taken in the top 64 who really do pan out. And then what you're going to see, because I'm... Out of this chart that I born that all this data is born from, I'm looking at some of these names. Andy Isabella mm-hmm. taking at pick thirty. Nothing. The who? Nothing. John Ross taking at nine. Nothing. Corey Coleman taking at fifteen in his draft in 2016. <laughs> Philip Dorsett. Devin Smith taking at pick five. Pick five in the draft. What year was that? Two, 2015. 
the Jets? Jets. I, I'm telling you now, there's problems with this type of player. Mm-hmm. And so to see that GMs are still stupidly... But meanwhile, the Bills, they zigged when everyone zagged already. That's right. Look at, look at the Gabe Davis and the Isaiah Hodgins pick. Th- that's a spit in the face of this, hey... You're short, agile, wide receivers. You know what I like is a dude who, even when he's covered, he's not. Go get me an Isaiah Hodges. Yeah. You love that guy. He I, was he was I your do. man crush. I do like him a lot. You thought that he might be the guy who made it over Gabe Davis at one point. I did. I did. And, you know, I think a, a big reason for that is thinking about the quarterback, I found it super interesting that I, because I agreed with how they decided they were going to roster receivers. When you went and got Benjamin and you had Andre Holmes and you had uh, Logan Thomas at tight end, you had all these big Zay Jones, tall, lanky. 6'4". The quarterback isn't accurate, so he's just going to throw up balls. And then very early on in that season, they realized when Josh Allen started playing meaningful football, they realized... That ain't him at all. No. We got to go get John Brown in the next offseason. We got to go claim Isaiah McKenzie off waivers. And to think about Isaiah McKenzie getting claimed off waivers compared to Devin Smith's career. Yes. The, the, the value <laughs> proposition in going to get a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, who I think is a fine pro. Um, yeah, I just, again, now Isaiah McKenzie's not Tyreek Hill. But are any of the guys that are drafted this year in the top you know, 64 picks, are they it either? And I would say no one is Tyreek Hill. And that's why I think I love that our team pivoted to a strategy counter to what so many other teams are doing. I, I like that because there's less downside to what they're doing with their guys. Look, look at Gabe Davis. Is he a perfect wide receiver? Surely no. not, no. But he's going to give you more value as a fourth-round pick at 6'4", 220 pounds than any one of these guys if they don't develop the elite route running you need to make that And at that size, at at the size we're talking, they need to be the league's best route runners. Yes. Cole Beasley, it ain't Cole Beasley. He ain't even playing in the league right now if he's not an elite route runner. For sure. And, and so that's why I watched this draft, and I just it made me feel on both of these counts we just did kind of a deep dive on individually. So much better about the Buffalo Bills as a football team. Now, as we talk about the Bills themselves, one of the storylines that stuck out to me, after a history of being aggressive, we mm-hmm. know Brandon Bing. Sure. When he loves a Cody Ford, he's trying to go get him a Cody Ford. When he wants a Josh Allen, he's going to go try to get wherever he has to get to get Josh Allen. So watching Bean in an, what I felt was an important draft year, and I'm I sure so. a lot of Bills yeah. fans agreed, Bean stood pat in every single round outside of the fifth where he traded back. Yeah. Traded back and just let the draft come to him. How sh- surprised by that were you? I was surprised, especially because I think all of us thought corner, 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 corner. Corner, 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 <laughs> corner, 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 corner. And then we see him... Just essentially say, nah, I'm not going nah. corner. And here's what I respect because I genuinely believe the Bills just stood to their board. They didn't veer away from it. They didn't say, eh, we don't need another offensive lineman. They said, this guy has a grade that is notably better than the next guy. And I am not going to sacrifice 
the scouting department. And what that says to me more than anything is the trust that Brandon Bean has in his pro scouts, in his college scouts. Because you don't take best available player an entire draft like the Bills did after coming off an AFC championship game. Unless you are in complete lockstep with your scouting department. And this is a scouting a department point. that they completely gutted after uh, Doug, Whaley uh, Doug Whaley. Completely gutted. So I think it's really important to, to note that what sticks out to me about this draft is less about the players they got and more about their dedication to stick to the work that got them there. They determined we spent too long. Our scouts took too long putting this big board together. For us to start questioning it, start moving down and picking for need. When you are an AFC championship contender, when you're a Super Bowl contender, your holes are not holes now. They're holes two years from now. And unless you start drafting as a team on the top for two years down the road, you're going to be chasing the last season over and over and over and over again. And if you don't believe me, ask a lot of coaches. <laughs> ask Doug Peterson, who's now out of a job. Go ask Rex Ryan. Go ask these former coaches who reached, who moved around their boards, did not pick the best available, and picked a player they thought could help them right now instead of a player that they knew could be in the mix in a year or two from now. And every player they picked in this draft, even the guys in the sixth and seventh round, they're guys that you could say, these guys might be in the mix down the road. And I think that's something that's that, – that those are the things you have to try to care about in this draft. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think about it like this. On Monday – the team picked up the fifth-year options on both Allen and Edmonds, something that's specifically in the case of Edmonds being kind of said, hey, it hinges on this draft. Yeah. And everyone, myself included, I mean, we talked about it with EJ during our linebacker preview. We talked about whether or not that meant that, hey, maybe the Bills are hedging their bets that a better linebacker will fall to them. <laughs> Give them, you know what I mean? What has me shocked is that if Bean truly did have so much riding on this, which it now looks to myself, the lay fan, that they took the players they did at the positions they did. They took the best athletes mm -hmm. at the positions that they had on their board as needs as kind of looking to the future, to mm -hmm. your point. You're kind of looking ahead and going, how can we make this team more cap solvent? And the results of this draft were such that they felt comfortable picking up those options en route to extensions. Yeah. Right? That's yep. why you pick That's up That's why you pick up 100%. No one who didn't have their – I'd like to see the numbers. If anybody out there has them, call in. As, that, Chris, as Chris likes to joke about. Yeah, that didn't get their uh, fifth-year uh, option picked up and then signed their long-term. They're yeah. few if ever. Yeah, I, I don't know so, off the top of my head. Because that's the team saying, listen, we're not, yeah. we don't care. Right. We're already moved on. And you could make it, I, I think you could be, if you're Brandon Bean, you could totally make an argument that we just don't want to spend 24, 26 million on the linebacker position next year. Yeah. It is not an inclination. This is not an indictment no. of Tremaine Edmonds. This is simply an indictment of the cap crunch. 100%. Not just the Bills, but every team in the league is under. So, and... So I guess they what don't. has me shocked in this is that if Bean had this much writing on the outcome of this draft, to know that he got prospects that he felt comfortable about, enough to make that investment yeah. that you're talking about, that he wouldn't move, that he would stand there like he's Wyatt Earp, walking across yeah. the water, just gunning people down. With his spurs. With his spurs. <laughs> He was like he's walking into the OK Corral. Like he's calm. He's he's Doc Holliday. 
in this moment yeah. to me. And it's incredible that in the past where he would be aggressive in pursuing players and positions that he wanted, for the first time in his career, he sat on his hands and just let the board come to him and still got what he wanted. Or at least got what he needed to make all of this happen, to make the extensions, the fifth-year options possible. It's just incredible to me. Chris, it really does feel like playing a game of chicken. It feels like sure. the end of Tombstone where Doc Holliday's out there in the woods. It's just an incredible thing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To me. All right, Bills fans. We are back and strapping and crack a fresh one. I now have four open beverages. We're about to talk about the Bills draft selections. And I think it starts with the trenches early. Mm-hmm. We early should, and often. We should get into uh, my beverage firsthand. I didn't see that in your, your rundown. No, Nate. of course not. Nate, I will, since you're the guest, uh, I need a Seagram's. Oh. Oh, I yeah, need, no. Chris I need a needs Seagram's. a Seagram's. I need this a Seagram's. I need a Seagram's for this. <laughs> Drew, early off in our in March, Drew sent me uh, gave like you, a... I gave he, you a break, too, going with the, gave, uh, the strawberry. Yeah, he gave me a schedule of how we want to do our draft series. And I know nowhere did it say linebacker. So I said, linebacker, we're going to... Why don't you have linebacker? You know, you could... We haven't picked up... We hadn't signed Milano at that point. We didn't pick up the fifth-year option of Edmonds, so why would you not want to preview the linebacker position? I was like, he was like, well, I don't think we're taking one. All right, Seagram's bet. We take a line. Oh no, time. We take a linebacker. Drew, so, Drew, so does, this he, is, does this guy never learn? No, because he doesn't study football. No, I you know what I think of draft Seagram's. I have you beat. Because I specifically remember you had to take a Seagram's because we yeah, drafted the Austin. Night of. We, that we drafted Austin Prohl because you didn't think we were taking a wide receiver. Back to back, six and seven I've, round. Yes. I've lost some, I've won some, and this is one of those moments where I'm a winner and I'm going to bask in it. Chris, right. yeah. drink that shit. Strawberry daiquiri. Yummy, yummy. So the Bills started this draft clearly setting out to try to remake the trenches and finding hyper athletic prospects, right? And I'm going to pat myself on the back for this because, Chris, every year when we stack our the order of our draft preview shows, we do it in a way so that the position that I think is probably going to be the biggest priority of the team early in the draft sure. airs right before the draft. Our hit rate 
is going to got to be through the roof now. I think I think it is 100. percent We're damn. I was under the impression what you what what you guys feature in your final show before the draft, the yeah. final pre positional preview. That's show. who we think is going to be the first. We went edge. Yeah. Brett Coleman came here. He talked about defensive ends. We took not one but two, and it starts with Greg Russo. It's the Russo Russo. Ruiso, Ruiso. Okay, Ruiso. okay. Well, all the hubbub about trading up for ETM, I, I, I wasn't a fan. No, to say the least. No, I don't like trading up in the fourth round for a running back. When he went off the board to Jacksonville, and then Pay and Phillips, yep. and you start looking at the board, I'm res- I'm sitting there. I'm resigned to the fact that we're probably going cornerback. Mm-hmm. But thinking to myself, and then Eric Stokes goes at 29. Well, and that's it. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well. Now we're drafting middle-tier talent at cornerback. We're not getting one of those upper-tier guys. But I guess if we're going to do it, that seems like the smartest thing to do. And then Russo comes off the board, and people over at Rock Pop Report can check out my reaction because Chris, as always, my wife thinks it's creepy that you enjoy filming me doing things. It's for the internet, and the internet likes it. <laughs> That's literally all that matters. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah, people like... Maybe people. you should start filming her more so that, it, that when he films you, it's not weird. Yeah, or she films me filming yeah. you. <laughs> like you an inception? I mean? yeah. 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 Yeah, she's too lazy for that. Yeah, but you didn't... No, she actually just doesn't give a shit enough. Like, she laughs. She's like, this podcast stuff you're doing, she's just like, Bleh. Yeah, yeah ba- based on the selection, at least me watching you react to it, it was, we need that position... But that's not what I would have done there. It's like if I ordered a steak and you, I'm saying, okay, I want my, I want a a ribeye with a Pittsburgh char. I want it rare. I want it rare, but I want that Pittsburgh char to offset how rare it is. It'll get some of the marbling melted in the middle and it'll do all these wonderful things for it. And you come out of the kitchen and you go, well, I don't have the ribeye. But I cooked you this strip steak, and I made it medium rare. And I'd say, well, I'm not, I'm not furious about it. But, but I'm, I'm also glad that you didn't Pittsburgh char my New York strip steak. So thank you very much for <laughs> making the executive decision in the back of the house. That really would have set me the fuck off. So thank you. Exactly. Yes. You didn't do the thing that would have made me explode. <laughs> so thanks for that, I guess. Were you shocked by the pick, or, no. did, or were you... Okay. I, I was fine. I, I had thought, uh, you know, I, talking with my buddy Marcel Louis-Jacques at ESPN, um, we were kind of talking throughout the whole first round, um, and I was talking to him, and, you know, he had picked in the ESPN NFL Nation mock draft, he had picked Rousseau for the Bills when he was up while ETN was on the board. So I said, you know, after the pick, I said, did you just, like, know something? And he's like, no, not really. I just kind of had a gut feeling that Rousseau was their guy, that if the Bills had quitty pay and Greg Rousseau on the board that they would have taken Greg Rousseau. And I said, wow, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a little crazy. But then you start, to, you start to peel back what it is, like what about this player would make Brandon Bean say he's my guy? 21 years old. Young. Six foot seven. Yep. Two years of playing the position. He's got upside because it's new. Yes. And... Position flexibility, being able to move inside, rush from the inside. He'll be able to do that at a high level right away. Now, if you can figure out this guy on the edge, I think Eric Turner was posting some screenshots, just stills. And the stride, when he takes one stride, he's three yards upfield on one stride. So 
miss me with the lateral quickness and he's not very fast well, with the it takes him twice as little steps to get to the quarterback than it does Jerry Hughes. I hate to tip my hand, but one of his one of the knocks on him is well, he tested poorly. Right. One of his elite traits, because we're gonna do a show later on in the week with Kentley Platty, that one of his elite traits is the fact that for his, he has straight line speed, which some guys have. Some not all big guys his size necessarily, but his ten yard split. That and and, and he's Brandon one of the Bean most elite of stat. all time. He referred to that stat on several of the picks that they're not looking at the at the his forty yard dash. Step is incredible. They're not looking at the three cone drill. They want to know when you're in space. What is your first ten yards? Yep. What does those first few steps? What do those look like? Because in the NFL, very rarely are defensive ends getting to that four three speed, four five speed. Oh. Is is uh, who was the guy that was it? Jalen Phillips ran a four five five. Yes, he ain't getting to four five. He should. He was. Hopefully, hopefully, you're playing in a 10 yard box. Yeah. I don't care what you run in 40. It's like a, it's the inverse of what Matt Waldman always talks about. 40s for running backs get overrated yeah. because, really, in reality, you're looking at the 10 and 20 yard split. How quickly does he get to his peak? Because a fast, 40, a fast 40 just means that safeties and safeties and cornerbacks won't catch you right. somewhere down the When you cross their face. He goes, but if you have. A four five or four six or four seven forty. It just means that you're going to get caught forty yards. That's right. But my and and maybe for running back, it's it's a it's a weirder argument. But for defensive end, for maybe you can make the same argument about linebacker. I do believe forty yard dash numbers for linebackers are important, but maybe not as much as those ten yard splits. Do you know whose ten yard split he has bettered? Who? Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs. <laughs> this is my point. Anyone who complains about the pick, I wasn't happy, but I wasn't angry. No. And when I think about this, one of the biggest things here, and I cribbed it from Joe Marino over at the Draft Network and the Lockdown Buffalo podcast. If you go to the Draft Network and look at his write-up on Greg Rousseau as a prospect, the thing that I took away, the sentence that stuck with me most it will be important for the franchise that selects Russo to understand the need for patience with his development. Who has better ability to take a defensive end in the first round and not need them to contribute right, right away? Who can provide that patience? I think it's us. I think we're built for that. And in that way, I really like that pick. I, I shouldn't say really like it, but I'm, I'm willing to wait and see how it pans out. Pick number 62, Carlos Boogie Basham. Mm-hmm. When the board comes back to Buffalo in the second round, I can imagine most Bills fans are essentially penciling in Creed Humphrey. The value, the fit, it all seemed too good to be true. And as the pick's taking place, I messaged someone and I said, it's a solid get for Buffalo. I'm a little pissed because Casey is going to get Basham and they're going to get better on the defensive line. And then the pick comes in and my buddy goes, dude, are you the Schwab? And I'm like, no, I'm a drunken idiot. Don't listen to me. It's funny because I felt the inverse. I really wanted the Bills to go Creed Humphrey there because I didn't want Kansas City to get Creed Humphrey. And that's because you're like, there's two good players here. One of them is going to go and the other team is going to get him. And... So obviously, I get that. Are you surprised that they took yes. Creed over Humphrey? Uh, yes. Um, and the reason being is, and I apologize to Sale afterwards because I, I I realized unknowingly I kind of put him in a tough spot on air, 
right before the pick, I said to him, Sale, no way there's an edge here, right? No, oh. no, no, oh, no. I, I like anything else, but I think I, not, Edge probably won't come here. At the 63rd pack, you know, the 61st pack, the Alabama Select. But, and literally, we were on air, and I was like, I texted him, I was like, dude, I'm sorry that I set you up like that. Like, I kind of set you up to fail. None of us thought they were going Edge. But again, like, I had, I got a person who was texting me tipping off picks. So I got the pick about 15, 20 seconds before it was announced. And it was right after I'd asked Sal the question, and I was like, and I'm going to think like Sal thinks I set him up. Like, I set him up to look bad. And I'm like, you know, like, that wasn't the intention. I'm so sorry. But, like, who would have known they were going edge back to back? And uh, listen, Boogie Basham is a unique player. He has a lot of Mario Addison about him. That's what he sort of reminds me of. Um, is he going to be a 10.5 sack per year kind of guy? I don't know. But I also like his position flexibility. I think, and Sale made this point, and I agree with Sale, since I, you know, maybe gave him a, a tough time on that question, I'll, I'll give him some props here. Sale mentioned he thinks Basham's the guy that walks in, and potentially he could be pushing for starting minutes over A.J. Vanessa. Like, right away. Um, Walk, and walks off the bus that's driven by Doug Whaley. That's driven by Doug Whaley. <laughs> okay. Well, here's what I'll say. This is probably the second time in this podcast, Chris, second or third, that I've patted myself on the back for something. Then well, This rarely Several happens. Self Call this the self-congratulation podcast. It rarely happens. It rarely happens. So we do, in our, in our positional previews, we do a segment where I just ask about players I, I'm interested in, specifically from a Bills standpoint. And I asked about Carlos Basham on our show with Brett Coleman, and this is what he had to say. I mean, he would be the natural QGF replacement, where it's like a guy who could play outside, rush inside as well, because Jefferson, he could do it all. You know, he's he's your classic either base end or three technique. They used him more inside in Buffalo. Seattle kind of moved him all over the place when he was there. Uh, Boogie, I think, compares favorably to him as an athlete, really, really quick for his size. Again, I think you could play him like you can almost rotate with him with Epinesa where he plays base end uh, for Epinesa when Epinesa is getting a blow. But then in nickel packages, you put Boogie inside Epinesa on the outside because uh, Boogie, I think, is too quick for a lot of guards to handle. And we saw that at the senior bowl where, I mean, these these arm over moves, people were just catching air against him. I don't know if he quite has the explosiveness to consistently win as a full-time edge rusher, but I think, again, on early downs, he could play outside and then rush inside on passing downs. Yeah, I agree with all that. That's Brett Coleman from Bootleg Football, who came on our show. Drew, I cannot believe that you set up Brett Coleman about a player that we eventually drafted. Yeah, I'll I'll say this, too. I agree with everything Brett said there, like, to a T, and... The, the unique thing about drafting two defensive ends is you say, oh boy, look at these numbers. Yeah, We've you got look at this. nine guys at defensive end. And this is something that Bruce Nolan, who you mentioned earlier, said that resonated with me that maybe I thought to myself, I was thinking this, but I hadn't said it out loud. But Bruce is always good at having good takes that he says out loud that I'm thinking. That's just Bruce. Um, he said, you'll, you'll be looking at defensive line numbers. Are they dressing yep. nine defensive linemen today? And who are that? Who is that combination of nine defensive linemen? Because one game against the Ravens, it might be six defensive ends. They dressed and Murphy. Three defensive tackles. No, they dressed Murphy. Yeah. against the Ravens in a playoff game, and you go, wait a minute, what? What's going on? Here? This guy's been benched all year. And he, they drafted five defensive ends that game, but they knew he was cerebral. 
And they knew that in the game against them previously, Murphy hit a great game. And yep. they said, look, you know how to com- condense the pocket without losing contain on Jackson. We need you for this game. Come in here and do your thing. This is a team that's finally... I, to, I've got some friends who love anime, and they talk about Dragon Ball Z, and they're like, oh, the final form. This might be approaching what the final form of this team was supposed to be, which is a front seven with a defensive line that you don't know what you're going to get from yeah. one week to the next if you're our opponent. And it's why I think the Rousseau pick makes makes the Boogie Basham pick even more cool. Yes. And, 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 and when you are able to sit back and think about that from – why are they why are they going after guys with similar type skill sets? Now, they're not the same player, but they're going to win in the same areas of the field. Why would you do that in back-to-back rounds? And why would you do that in the top two rounds? And what I loved about Brandon Bean's explanation was talking about, and he used this term a bunch when he was talking about both guys, and not only both guys, but the other two, Spencer Brown and uh, Tommy Doyle, later in the draft, he said, premier positions. These are premier positions in today's NFL. If you got a quarterback, you keep the quarterback. If you don't, you draft one until you find one. And with defensive line, this is a team that has spent, and I hate the argument or the pushback of this is a team that can't figure out how to build the defensive line. They've spent more money than anybody in football since Brandon Bean's been here trying to find pieces at the defensive line. And I say, yeah, one of the most <laughs> of important positions in football. What do you, you mean? You throw money. Yeah, you throw and money if you don't th- have all of the answers, you keep adding until you find the combinations that work. This is why I love talking about this stuff. Now, it's incredibly interesting to me that Basham and Russo both have the ability to hopefully someday man the edge as starters. But Beans made no bones about where he thinks ba- Rousseau can win early in his career, and it's clear that Basham already has those chops. Anybody that can affect the passer. So we could have gone interior, uh, on the edge. The thing about Greg is a lot of his sack production came from the inside. I mean, they played him all over. They played him in the zero. They played him on the edge. They played him at the three-tech. So uh, we see him playing starting on the edge. Um, but in pass rush situations, you'll see him reduce down and, and, and rush from the inside. That's Brandon Bean from his post-draft press conference over at buffalobills.com. Knowing that Basham's experience comes in the same vein, it's obvious to me that they have plans for these guys to bring a more dynamic variety to our pass yeah. rush, which takes me back to the 2019 football season when I'm sitting here doing a show with Ken McCusick from Ravens Film Study. Mm. We do a home and home every time the Bills and Ravens play. I love talking to Ken because he's very technical. He likes to get in X's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. But... (laughs) I mean, I guess I could, but I just don't want to because this is my thing. This is my chance to vent my football thoughts. I go on his show to talk X's and O's and football science and things like that. And he asked me the question before that 2019 eventual last second loss to the Ravens. He said, hey, what kind of exotic blitz packages do the Ravens have to worry about from the Buffalo Bills? And I told him, honestly... We don't have enough personnel no. to put together an exotic blitz package. Not one. Not a single one. All we can do is line up our best four and come at you. And that is that becomes it becomes very old hat. Yeah, but I guess what the it, point it, it becomes you. very game planable. Yes, you can play. Yeah. Look at what happened in the title game. They threw stuff at the Buffalo Bills that we couldn't match. That we weren't prepared for. Why? Because they have 
not only do they have Taco Charlton, and not only do they pay uh, to guys like Frank Clark mm-hmm. and uh, who's uh, who's the other guy they're paying? Who's the other guy in KC's D line? Who's Chris Jones? Chris Jones. And, and then they Chris just Jones also paid Jaron Reed. Jaron Reed, but. When they beat the Bills, they were also hit a uh, what Capacion. They had fucking uh, Taco Charlton. They they had bodies. Yeah, dynamic, athletic profiles that they could throw at your offensive line and make life hell. Oh, by the way, we're gonna blitz safeties. Yeah, and we're gonna blitz linebackers. Fuck your vertical passing game. We're gonna kick your teeth in. Good luck up front protecting yeah. Josh Allen. Right, and that game went to shit right in front of us. Right in a handbasket. They, I think they learned something from that experience. I, and I, then you have the point or the question, well, did they overreact to one game? And which I think is a fair question to ask. It's fair. I don't know that I'm, I'm going to like prescribe to that um, or subscribe to that theory. But I will say that I think anytime you can take something away and, and I believe this about Josh Allen. Anytime you can play in a game like that of that magnitude and take something from it that you apply in the offseason and, and try to do better the next one, you can't – you don't know your weaknesses until you get to a level like the AFC like Championship game to know what it takes to win two more games. And I think Brandon Bean has a pretty good understanding of what he needed to do to win two more games. Yep. And I think Josh Allen now knows yep. what he needs to do to win two more games. And I, I think that – I don't know if I talked about this with you guys or not, but I thought the experience that Josh Allen gained in last year's playoffs was absolutely invaluable to yep. his cur- – to just his progression moving forward. And the reason I say that is, you know, we, we see – we saw like sugar high Josh in that first playoff game in Houston, right? He didn't have that same feel in, the, in, the, in last year's Colts game. But then you got to the AFC divisional round, and he didn't play his best game against the Ravens. No. And then but they made the AFC, life hard on him. But that's the first time on that stage that Josh was there. Now, yep. Josh plays in an AFC divisional round game. He knows what to expect. Yep. You, your general manager gets to the AFC championship game and knows what – because the lore is about playoffs is – the game's different. It's not like regular season football. The the pressure is reared up. The game planning is reared up. And it's a different kind of football when you get to the playoffs. And it's even more different when you get to the AFC Championship game. So how can you as a general manager determine what it is you need to get your team over the top unless you unless you punch in the face and you fail in real time? And I think the Bills have that to their advantage. Oh, of course. And these two picks, there's a theme here. One of them is a boomer bust swing for the fences. And the other one in Basham is a little bit of a safer, maybe higher floor, lower ceiling option, which kind of insulates them from, hey, if either one of them bust, like, let's say the Rousseau thing Mm -hmm. doesn't work out. Let's say that he's too light in the lower body and he never really figures it out. And everyone goes, well, this is terrible. Basham, even if he cuts weight, will still be stout against right. everyone. He'll still be what Shaq Lawson was. Yes. Like, that's yes. his projection into the NFL. So no one's going to be mad when this no. is all said and done. And I like the idea of double dipping here. Now, flipping to the other side of the coin, this pick, this Spencer Brown pick at number 93, is, is the one that takes me, like Leonardo DiCaprio and Django Unchained. You had my curiosity. Yeah. Now you have my attention. This guy could have been a second-round pick, maybe even early second, if he didn't opt out. If he doesn't opt out in 2020 from NIU, 
he's probably in that conversation. I've heard it on tape from scouts talking about the, the guys who were scouting his senior bowl. You go to YouTube, you can find the audio. So like we had this guy pegged as a potential maybe late first, early second round pick. He opts out for a year. Other people step up. Mm-hmm. Other people have seasons. Other people have film. They have film, and he doesn't have it. Okay, he has absurd athleticism for a dude who's six foot eight and three hundred and eleven. I can't get my head around this. He set his. I'm going to tell you a story, Nate. He set his school bench press record of five hundred pounds, despite having Makai Becton's arms. You mean your arms? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have a bigger ape index than Makai Becton. What? Height to arm length ratio. Stand up. Put your arms down. Put your arms down towards your side. Oh my god, you sick fuck. Yeah, this is this is gross. Like I can almost touch my kneecaps. Yeah, you can't get past your pockets. Get out of here. Are you kidding me? I yeah, feel like that's I feel how like it fucking man. That's how it fucking works. He set his school bench press record of 500 pounds, right? But here's the crazy thing. He was shooting for the record. He had tied it previously at 480. Okay. So he's working out and he goes, I think I can get it today. So he puts up the 490 and everyone's cheering. They're all in his good garage. The, the camera crew's there. They're like, yeah. And then he stops and about five minutes go by and he looks around. And he goes, I think I can get 500. And they're just like, well, it's only been five minutes. And he's like, nah, let's do it. This. Let's do it. Five minutes after he put up 490, he put up 500. That's incredible. What? Relatable. I, I, In I the same that. workout. I know that feeling. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> you and Chris, you both, because you're athletes. I, here's a serious question. Could we, on opposite ends of a barbell, pick up 500 pounds? Right now. <laughs> not, not. I, I, not don't, our, I already Chris, don't trust Chris. Not in our prime. No, no. <laughs> not in our prime. Not, right. not with my back. But like right the, now. The, could no. we, on opposite ends of a, of, of, of a, of a bench press bar. No. Get it to our shin level. <laughs> I'm not sure I would get. I'm not sure I could get the end up. No, 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 not you're, at all. You're talking about an elite athlete. Yeah. His three cone time. Stupid. Six point nine six. Three tenths of a second slower than Jets. Hey, you said you like Elijah Moore. I do. Okay. I do a lot. His three cone was just three tenths of a second slower. That's wild. Uh, For that size? One tenth of a second slower than Kadarius Toney. He tied Asante Samuel Jr. This is a 300-something pound offensive lineman. 311 pounds, 487, 40-yard dash. I tried to think about the size of that human running that speed. And I think about what we, we were, you and I before the podcast, we were joking about buddies that play hockey that are large human beings, but somehow managed to be some of the most athletic ones we've ever seen, right? Yes. This guy is a different kind of heavy, though. He's a different 311. Six foot eight and some change, by the way. We're not he's just loose. talking. We're not talking. He's He just got to six eight. He's like six eight and three fourths. Like, <laughs> he's almost six fucking nine. And the fact that he tested the way that he tested and... Some of the other things that you can't measure in a test, the whole opt-out situation, you hurt his pro aspirations because he refused to transfer to a school because his teammates weren't playing football because uh, division uh, FCS football yep. was not playing. He could have gone to a Power spring. 5 school. He could have gone to Iowa. He could have gone to any Power 5 school he wanted to go and probably walked in as a starter and decided against it because his teammates couldn't play. And that's the type of buy-in. That's the type of 
processy McDermott being player that screams to me the carpet matches the drapes. The drapes, yes. right? The the character matches the athleticism. And this is where I watch this draft unfold, and I go, "Holy fuck, you did, took did you this. like that? Did you like that carpet matches the drapes?" Uh, yeah, is that a good one? We all you guys, did. Hey, listen, feel free to use it. You guys I, can use it. We all did. You guys can I, use it. I love that pick because it's the one that made me say, "Hey." The Bills are going whole hog yeah. on this idea. I mean, we saw wait, we saw them flirt with this idea, right? The Josh Allen, the Tremaine Edmonds. You give me a, a raw athlete and let me coach him. Yeah, up. let me make them. That's a, a risk. That's, by the way, that's that's risky business. By the way, yeah, you have to really trust your coaching staff a so lot. So this draft was them going whole hog on the idea at this point. Like that's where they're saying, give me all the athletes, give me every fucking one of them. Give me the dude who can bench press 500 pounds and won't go further his own prevent professional career at right. the expense of his, of his loyalty own, to his program yes. Yes. because he has it tattooed on his chest and he loves him. Okay, done. Done. I Now you have my attention, Brandon B, because wh- now I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. And then they go Tommy Doyle. Because now <laughs> what you're doing is you as a GM – you're taking home run swings. Yeah. Fans around the, the league think, hey, to take a home run swing, it means you have to trade up. You have to try to get aggressive to get the best athletes. Brandon Bean is staying put and taking the best athletes. He's taking guys who he, other teams are looking at as a risk. And he's saying, hey, guess what? I think I like the guy's makeup. Yeah. Fuck it. We'll throw it out there on the football field and see if it does. I mean, what is it? I've, I've read articles that say that Spencer Brown could, uh, what's it, uh, Willie, what's his name? The guy who lost his job to Tiki Barber, Willie Pete? No I'm idea. about Wally Pip? Wally Pip. You're talking, you're talking yeah. about the Yankees? Uh, you're talking about... No. Uh, well, first I'm talking about Wally Pitt, but then there's also the guy who lost his job. Rodney Pete. I think it's Rodney Pete. That sounds yes. like that sounds like a professional athlete. I so think I, I combined I, two I, things: Wally Pitt and Rodney Pete. I think you I might. Think yeah. I, yeah. Rodney Pete played quarterback in the mid '90s so for that, the Eagles. Okay, it. so that wasn't it. Wasn't it? But either way, the dude who good point. You stops don't being available and loses right. his job right now. There's there's people out there in just the draft community talking about how Spencer Brown could be the dude waiting in the wings to steal Daryl Williams' giant yeah. contract. And let me him. tell you, I love Daryl Williams. If you can get better, go get better and younger and faster uh, and more athletic. Go do it. <sighs> don't wait two years to hedge a bet. It's incredible to me that that pick happened where it did because that was the thing that solidified my, like, holy shit, they're just going getting the best yep. athletes. But they not just best, best, the best, best players available. Best players available. And your point about him being potentially a second-round pick if he's not opting out, they know that. That's something they probably marked down in their books, and they said, this third round? These guys still around? What? Our guy. Take him. Yeah. Now, pick 161, Tommy Doyle. Not going to lie. Disappointed that the run on defensive tackles, I all of them went in the absence of our fourth round pick. Yep. What, uh, Shelvin, Bobby Brown, Shelvin, yep. Nixon, McNeil, McNeil. All of those picks happened when the Bills were without a fourth round yeah. pick. That hurt us. That really did. I think that a, a defensive tackle would have really solidified this draft. But in that way, I remember Glenn, well, we're in my friend's garage and we're all talking. And when they said Tommy Doyle, everyone turns to me, which is what happens when you're hanging out with people who don't do this. Or more so, this is what happens when you hang around with Drew. You just wait. You just assume some sort of meltdown's coming. (laughs) And to see what my reaction is going to be, 
And I gave it a half-hearted wave and went back to trying to find a deviled egg that I liked. I was like, deviled egg guy. Deviled egg. Yeah. I'm a deviled egg guy. Me too. I I could take it or leave it. I mean, again, hyper-athletic Who's on the board? prospect. Who's, on, Who's the board? on the board? Let me take the most athletic I know, guy. By the way, and I know a lot of people were pissed off about the the iffy, iffy uh, oh. Melifonwu pick. <sighs> it's a reason why he fell. Bills, the Bills weren't the only team to over uh, to to go over him three times. A lot of teams did. I know. I know. Let's talk about that. Sure. So Tommy Doyle, I don't know what the hell he might project to. How about all the players? Because now we're at the fifth, fourth range, mm-hmm. fifth, fifth round, fourth round. What about all the players that we passed on that Bills fans are mad about? What would you say to that? Um, if you're watching the draft board, we've now got a Rousseau, we've got a Basham, we've got a Brown. We have a Doyle, but you've watched these players pass while we're drafting. What would you say to the people who were upset at that point in the it's, draft? At that point, you're looking to be upset. Day three of the draft, if you're upset by the players that you don't <laughs> know getting picked because you know one guy from the PFF draft machine that was going in the third round or consistently going in the second round, like Tyler Shelvin. Did you see one PFF or the draft network mock draft that had him falling to the fourth round? Nope. Almost every Bills fan that did the Tyler Shelvin experience picked him in the third round. He didn't go in the third round. Everyone that was saying uh, uh, if Melifanu, he could be a second round pick. Nope. So I, I think a lot of the instant mock draft world of people being able to do their own and I yeah. think it I think it creates shades of gray within the draft community that people think they know more than NFL coaches and they know more than NFL GMs because they use the draft network. And they're really upset that the Bills passed over Ify Melifonu in the second round for Boogie Basham, even though 32 31 other teams passed over him an additional time. So I think that a lot of it is comes from the how accessible the draft has become immediately after the football season. Everyone's doing mock drafts. And I think people often – and here's the thing too. The consensus boards. Those are the ones you should be looking at. Not, oh, man, and this is not a slight of Ben Albright. Ben Albright is my dude. But people that are like, well, Ben Albright had him at 62 overall, and the Raiders picked him 19. Like, yeah, okay. Well, what does it matter? Like I said, I'm not, I'm not bashing Albright. Albright. Albright puts together some of the most accurate mock drafts in the first round. Back-to-back years. He was the second most accurate mock draft last year. I think he's the third most accurate mock draft this year. Well, and here, just to kind of plug this for later. Do you have Ben Albright on the show soon? No. Close. Very <laughs> close. We're going to be taking all of the Bills content creators, whether they like it or not. Sure. Participation was involuntary. Yep. All of your final mock drafts that you submitted to social media, I'm grading them and I'm scoring them. And I'm scoring them based on the actual fallout of the first round of the draft. You're all going to hear about this. There will be a shaming, a public walk of shame like the movie Game of like the movie, like the show Game of Thrones. It's going to be one of my favorite things I've ever done on this podcast. Is, is watching Game of Thrones, you're a big Game of Thrones guy? I was, oh. and now, but the last season ended hollow, and I'm not going to watch anything else they I won't, produce. I won't tell you my Star Wars slash uh, Game of Thrones take. Go ahead. But, but I'll tell you this. You you can put mock drafts out there. Yeah. Great. Good. Wonderful. I don't think I, I don't think mine performed very well. You're probably not. Yeah. It's going to get graded. Yeah. Yeah, I have yours. Great. I have sales. I have everybody's. And you're all going to be put in the crucible, and we're going to see who comes out on top. 
So that's why I'm not doing a mock draft next year. Thanks, Drew. Thank you for confirming that that's, I'm done with mock drafts. You're damn right. Because of people like you. Everyone should be done with mock drafts. <laughs> I'm doing it next year just for the effect of, like, you know, you watch the Olympics, a 100-yard dash, and you just want to see the average person in there, too, <laughs> and see how that works. That, you want to see how yeah. slow you actually yeah. are compared Listen, to pros? Next year, I'm get, doing a mock. I, I agree. I'm not a big fan of mock drafts, but maybe the thing I hate more than anything is immediately after the final pick is made, some asshole, probably Matt Miller more than anyone, some assholes out there like 2022 mock draft. 2022 big board and mock draft. I'll stand your eyes out. I swear to God. Ooh, this is the worst. I've been, I spent the last 12 hours uh, after <laughs> the seventh round was over giving all of my draft grades, and I've got all of your 2020 way, way, way too early look. Yeah, way too fucking early. <laughs> It's too early. This is why I love Nate. It's too early. We'll know that we are going to exact our pound of flesh. But I digress. Tommy Doyle, athletic guy, maybe a tackle prospect, maybe a guard. Who knows? He has explosive traits, though. And again, he's huge. He's enormous. Again, for a GM who's never drafted or prioritized offensive line until he drafted Cody Ford... The fact that he's now taking two back-to-back, there's a trend. There is. There's a trend developing. Now, you go to pick 203, Marquez Stevenson. Again, Chris, I said it. I'm going to pat myself on the back multiple times. This is a player that I just was intrigued enough about that I asked Mark, I asked Mark Spo- Schofield during his— Jesus Christ, we've reached the, the slurring part of the podcast. Yes, as we should. Where— I asked him specifically about this player because I was interested in him as a prospect. I kind of was like, well, he seems like a fit for, we need a kick returner. We need a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. We need a water bug motion guy to replace Isaiah McKenzie at some point. This is what Schofield had to say when I asked him about it. He's kind of that pure burner type that has one thing that he does and he does it extremely well which is run fast like he doesn't do a lot in terms of selling routes because he doesn't need to he can just run by you and that works at Houston and that worked at times at the Senior Bowl but does it work on Sundays but he's somebody that can get over the top of the defense that can stress defenses downfield that is going to put the fear of God in some safeties not all but some and that might be worth something a late flyer and sort of day three and again Talking about it from the Bills' perspective, where you have the luxury of not needing to force a receiver into a massive role as a rookie. And so you have the luxury of taking a flyer to a guy like Stevenson and say, look, speed like this works no matter what. You know, NFL, college, doesn't matter the level. Speed like this kills. And so we can fill in some of the stuff around him, give him a limited package of routes, plays, concepts. Like, look, you're going to run five routes for us a game three posts and two goes like you'll do that you might see the ball you might not but we'll start to fill in the rest of the stuff as we go i mean i think he's more john brown replacement out of the gate i don't think he has the sort of change of direction skills the route running skills that will uh, would enable him to be his contributor on the inside where you know you need those things more i think right now he's a john brown outside replacement to beat people on the outside and maybe you can get him to a point if he starts refining that route running where, yeah, he, he can fill in some of the stuff and kick inside a bit and be more of a versatile receiver. I think earlier in his career, though, it's more John Brown than, than anything else. There was 
let me get this right, Mark Schofield. He's got the Sco Show. He came on our podcast about a month ago to talk about the wide receiver I class. I was still in COVID quarantine back at the beginning of April because of that. But that's when we did that show, and that's why his audio is terrible, and that's why his... His audio is fine. Your audio sucked. My audio sucked. I, I was trying to cover for the fact that his accent's so thick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you, it, it, I'm in the mood to be self-congratulatory, and that's two players I specifically sought out information on from our analysts in this year's preview series are now wearing Bill's uniforms. It's also terrifying considering what happens with draft picks I like. So yeah, I hear that, that should scare everybody. I, I Listen, anytime I get to hear Mark Schofield on the show, I'm happy, but... Um, the Stevenson pick is really interesting, and I, and I liked how he kind of pointed to John Brown. Um, but, I mean, you guys would agree that I think Isaiah McKenzie's probably thinking he's on some thin ice. Yes. I mean, maybe not thin ice, maybe the wrong thin ice is maybe the wrong word. But he's not on as, as grippy a footing as he was on, on, on you know Friday night. No, absolutely not. This is the player who you look at and you go, that's a late-round flyer, just like Isaiah McKenzie was. <laughs> He has the same athletic profile as Isaiah McKenzie did. And he he does a lot of the same things. He projects as a probably a special teamer first. Mm-hmm. And then you can find a way to mix him into your offense. Like Mark said, a couple routes a game and you figure the rest out from there. Without a doubt, he's raw technically, which is why he's being drafted in the sixth round. Like all the small white receivers should, should be. Yep, yep. I mean, to channel yeah, I, my... I see. So this is this is a lot like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. You bring the joke up in the beginning of the show, <laughs> and then right at the end, yeah. you build up this entire show, and you don't revisit it again, and then right at the end, Drew wants to really tell you what he's thinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, listen, I love Curb, so this this works for me. I love it. It's like if I'm channeling my inner dice clay, it's like, hey, you hear me? <laughs> Tiny wide receiver in the first round. What's the matter with you? What's the matter? What's the matter he has experience as a kick returner. Mm-hmm. Dynamic wide receiver in the screen game. That's his value. That's it. Uh, but he's perfect to groom as a cheap replacement for the future talent we might need in this wide receiver core. Because after next year, we have Diggs and Gabe Davis. And Isaiah Hodgins. And Isaiah Hodgins under contract. That's it. This is a low draft cost, high upside move. I love every second of it. <laughs> and even if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't matter. It's a dart. Now I see what you're like I see what you're doing. You're just throwing darts here and saying, "Hey, that's a dude who might be yep. worth something." The best of the rest, I mean, Demar Hamlin. I like him. Rashard Wild Goose. Well, Wild Goose in the name alone, I think was probably my most re- my my most frequented uh like 6th or 7th round pick in the mock drafts just name alone. Can I say this? I and he's wearing OJs. I tweeted it. Juices loose. Are you kidding I me? I tweeted it. It was just when I saw somebody tweet something about Richard Wild Goose. I was like, now I want the Bills to take him, just because I'm a fan Name of the alone. movie. Just because, no, no. Because earlier we joked about how I wanted the Bobby Brown pick, uh-huh. just so I could make all the cocaine jokes. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're insensitive, making fun of men who've died using uh, overdosing on drugs. But I, I, I like where your heads are at. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa. Yeah. Am I supposed to feel bad for them? Yeah, Bobby Brown. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bo- Bobby Brown's not here to defend himself. <laughs> There's not professionals. So, so what a dark turn this show is. Yeah, what a dark turn. <laughs> hey, listen, we we have it all over here at the Rock Power Report. Dude, my thing about Wild Goose, if I'm 
if I'm first line brewing resurgence, oh, forty two no, north, wild ghosts, yeah, and I don't have and I or ghost juice. And you just have a picture of him and OJ on a can, or, oh, him. or the goose is yeah. loose. Goose is the loose. Goose is loose. Yeah. Oh my God! There's a million opportunities. You're gonna have to hear a drop now every single time we bring up Richard Wild Goose. You guys should probably hope he doesn't make the team because if he does, then it's just incessant. It's yeah. incessant. Here's what I'll say. I made the joke about the movie Super Troopers on Twitter. That's why I fell in love with him as a prospect was because I remember someone tweeted about That's him, bit? and I said. Welp, I saw Super Troopers, and all I could think of was how many jokes I could make if he were to wear a Bills uniform on Sundays, and then he were to make a tackle or a good play, and I would go, he goes, he showed that guy where the wild goose goes. <laughs> Let's hope he gets cut. That's, that's exactly it. Now I've got people rooting against him. Right. So between DeMar Hamlin, Rashard Wild Goose, Jack Anderson... The back end of those guys. Really like Jack Anderson a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, dynamic athletic traits. Well, he looks like a baby fat boy, but baby that too. He looks like <laughs> he, looks he looks like, like a, a baby fat boy. He looks like the baby from the Incredibles if he was on a human body that was a offensive lineman. Which I know I'm probably aging at you. Your kid one day will watch the Incredibles and then you'll You'll come back to me and, and, and let me know about that. Here's one of the things I wonder. With no live scouting, how much of the research on DeMar Hamlin probably took place oh, when they were scouting Dean Jackson? A lot of it, I bet. That's, a lot of it. When they were scouting Pitt that year and they said, hey, there's a safety on this team. He's also pretty fucking good. Did they not sign Warren G's son? They, they did. It's an undrafted free agent rookie. So now Regulators is going to be a thing. Love that. Love so. That. Final takeaways. Sure. Final takeaways from this. Are you happy with the draft hall? Because I know you started this conversation saying you were meh. Yeah. I am not upset. I'm not happy. I am. This is such a cop out. Ask me in two years. Ask me in three years. I mean, that's really when we should. And Marv Levy, it's a famous Marv Levy quote. Don't ask me what my rookie draft class did this year. Ask me what they did in year three. And I think if you go by that rule, what would Josh Allen have been after his rookie season? <laughs> Drew wanted him cut at halftime and, of his first start. Uh, the Ravens. You and I sat here on a podcast and screamed at each other you about did. his performance after the Tennessee victory. Uh, it was a did. win. I chipped my elbow falling off our podium, drunk, mm-hmm. drunk That's and angry. Yeah. That's on brand. So on brand. So when you think about your overall thoughts, you're thinking about it in the long term. I'm thinking future. I'm thinking if I will, if you don't like the draft because you don't think they got better this year, tip of the cap. I I don't disagree with you. I just happen to look at it differently than you. And that's fine. I think Eric Turner and I disagreed on. He said, I don't think they got better at all for 2021. And I said, okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Talk to me in 2023. I opened Twitter on Monday. And I see the usual sea of wild dicks. Mm -hmm. But it's surprising I'm going to whining from Bills fans. Surprising? No, it's shocked me. Okay. Who didn't get the shiny new things they wanted or didn't think that we got the perceived immediate value like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. 
compared to our AFC East oh, counterparts. God. And thought that taking the Browns this, are now a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, and that's my point. And so what they do is they decide to go to social media and do the equivalent of pissing into the wind. The Jets, the Jets are now are uh, they're going to they they're really going to put up a fight against the Bills. They they really narrowed the gap. Oh, the Cowboys. Oh, the uh, the just how about this? Hey, hey, Jets. For all every Jets fan listening to this, because I know some of you dickheads do, mm-hmm. just so you can talk shit to me later. Yep. We beat you with a kicker. Yeah. We didn't have to score a touchdown. We just kicked field goals, and we beat you because you suck. Nine and you're not going to get better next year. I haven't read a single professional prognosticator's grade for Buffalo in this draft. I haven't either. Nor have I gone out I don't of know my that way I to look at any of the stuff. I don't think I give a shit. How about this? They're, I, don't, I haven't seen them in anybody's top five, and I haven't seen them in anybody's bottom five. How about this? Need no more. I haven't paid attention to anybody in the amateur content creators community. Anything they've churned out about value, Mm -hmm. grades, wins and losses. And it's not because I'm not trying to be supportive. I just don't need to hear it. Okay? I don't need somebody trying to make me feel better or worse about any of this. From the coaching staff to the starting 11 on each side of this football, the Bills for the second straight year, maintained a level of continuity that we haven't had for decades. Easy to say in a COVID year, but e- not easy to say the year after one where you actually have guys that are that we're going to hit the mark and get That's paid. my point. Yeah. We've managed continuity that has also eluded some of our competition mm-hmm. for the top spot in the air. I mean, let's start with Kansas City. A complete shuffling of the offensive line. We'll see if it works. They're now going to start a new offensive guard, Mm -hmm. a rookie center, a rookie right tackle, and a rookie left tackle. Or a left tackle with one season of experience who's going to come from a a gimmick offense. Easiest offense to be an offensive That's what I'm saying. A gimmick offense. Pittsburgh loses a Hall of Fame center on an offensive line that wasn't good to begin with. And then Andre Villanueva... As well. Yeah, and didn't Andre. replace him. Alejandro. Didn't replace him in the draft. Yeah. Take Najee and then you don't address. And then you take a tight end. No, yeah. actually, Najee's playing guard. I don't know. Najee's playing guard. Did you know yeah, they didn't address that, any of that model. offensive line in the second or third that's round. What, that's what made the pick okay. They were like, well, actually, Najee. Baltimore spends their wide receiver with their first pick. I like that a lot. And here's why that's hysterical to me. From ESPN. Is this from Bill Barnwell? No. If it was, I'd, oh, I'd threaten to shave off his sideburns. Over the past 25 years, the Ravens have had one 1,000-yard season from a drafted wide receiver, the fewest of any team in the NFL. Bateman is the seventh wide receiver drafted by Baltimore in the past four drafts, including two first-rounders in the past three drafts. At some point, you have to start considering that it's the person throwing the football, right? Hey, we keep taking wide receivers and none of them are making an impact. Yeah. None. None. Because no. you ever wonder, maybe it's, it's not the wide receivers. Maybe it's not their fault. Ultimately, they added some pieces to replace the things that were broken. But as with all rookies, I don't know how much that improves you. Yeah. If anything, they all maintain status quo. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, the start, case in point. The Ravens take Ben Cleveland, right? And everyone loves the pick. Yeah. We love the player. That guarantees that their starting center is going to be Bradley Bozeman, Alabama alumni. Mm-hmm. The last time Bills fans saw him, he was snapping passes over Lamar Jackson's Getting head. Getting him literally killed. <laughs> literally <laughs> killed. My point is, 
besides being a petty son of a bitch and reveling in the suffering of other fan bases, the Bills had the least amount of work to do to maintain yeah. continuity for a team that finished one win shy of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Brandon Bean, without trading up, took this draft class and was still aggressive in the form of swinging for the fences on dynamic players with upside. Could they bust? Sure. This whole class could bust. But this is a year where, for the first time in forever, the Buffalo Bills could have a class bust, and it wouldn't kill us. It wouldn't at all. We're not banking on I mean, any one of these players. A couple playing of years a down the line, role. you would yes, you, you would, would feel. feel the effects of not having a successful draft yes. where you're able to get anybody, and that's sort of the overarching point about why you don't overreact to a team that takes a position they don't immediately need because you don't know what happens. You don't know if. Deion Dawkins in training camp slips on a mat, breaks his hip, and he's done playing football. <laughs> you just don't know. Because guess what? That's literally fucking happened before in Buffalo to Kevin goddamn Cobb. So, like, let's for a moment, and, and ask me this. Now, ask me this question. After Daryl Williams and after Deion Dawkins, who's his team's tackle? Bobby Hart is the next tackle, and that scares I the shit out of me. I have no interest in no! giving time on this podcast, Bobby Hart. But what the dude who the, the dude with questionable uh, not not just questionable football play but questionable just being judgment a, tweets just, just being a human uh, <laughs> right questionable humanity if this gambit pays off by Brandon Bean and these players develop any of them I I even say if he went five hundred on this draft class you'll have a cost effective offensive line and defensive line that allow you to continue develop competing at a high level and paying your guys, paying Tremaine Edmonds, paying uh, Matt Milano, paying Daryl yeah. Williams, pay maybe you don't have to pay Daryl Williams. Maybe you're getting yeah. rid of him at the expense of maybe but paying Josh Allen first and foremost for years to come where you don't have to worry about how you're going to fill in the gaps of bit players because you have dynamic defensive ends who find ways to get to the quarterbacks, even if it's in the middle, on the edges, doesn't matter where it comes from. You're doing it without paying a premium for it across the line. That's what this is. It's a swing for the fences. And if it works, then guess what? I can live with that sort of gambling. That's right. Even if they go 500, I like where we are now. I just I don't understand why people are mad. I won't get there. You can continue to tweet at us at right. Rock Power Report. Let us hear your counterpoints. But I feel like banking on the upside of this draft class long term is the right move for the franchise Agreed. here in the moment. And I think it would have been better this conversation rather than talking about a running back at twenty at, at thirty. Um, I and listen, this is from a guy that. Wouldn't have loved the pick, but I would have been fine if they took Travis Etienne. I would not have been all up in arms. I wouldn't have been jumping up and down telling people I told them so. I would have felt the same about Travis Etienne that I do about Greg Rousseau. But the thing I like about Greg Rousseau, premier position. Premier positions. This team this team prioritized the most important positions in football. And sorry that your team didn't. Absolutely. Guys, this has been a great... Thank you to Nate for toughing mm. this one out. Mm. <laughs> I appreciate I've it. I've had no moose heads, and you know how hard that is for me when I come here. It's like Ugh. tradition. Now, we've got to get the fuck out of here, but we've mentioned multiple times throughout the show dynamic athletic profiles of the draft class. You want to see me run a 40-yard dash? Well, there's more. <laughs> to, there's, 
there's a lot more to that than we can unpack in a single show. In our next podcast, we're going to be sitting down with relative athletic score creator Kentley Platty to take a deeper look at the players themselves and break down whose development might be fast-tracked because of these athletic, elite athletic traits. We're going to talk about the takeaways from this draft based on the team's history. We're going to talk about one of my finest achievements in terms of chart making. And it's not the fact that he's married. Chris, it's it's, it's going to be an incredible podcast. Make sure you tune in for it, but we got to get the hell out of here. Yeah, and make sure you listen to After the Snap. That's out today, too. Shameless self-promotion yeah. for yeah. the producer. Give yeah. it to him. Yeah, we're competing with After the Snap. That's also out today. The other podcast I produce. So go listen to NFL players that uh, – Take direction from a podcast producer quite well. Listen, I'm like somebody I across refuse, the table. I refuse. I never will take direction. As a former long snapper, girl, I think what they're doing is fantastic. Let him yeah. know I said so. As a form, but make sure former long snapper, Nate Geary, which by the way, I long snapped because I was quarterback. I was the only one that really had the, you Spiral. know. I can get it back with a spiral. I don't think I can do it anymore, but give me, give me like a youth-sized football, and I think I might. Jesus Christ. It's getting deep over here. I'm going to make – by the time this conversation's over, he's going to be taking snaps from a real NFL long snapper. It's going to hurt him. We're all going to get hurt in the process. It's going to be a lot of fun. But we got to get the fuck out of here for tonight. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. That's Nate Geary. And this has been your post-draft recap podcast brought to you by The Rock.